In this week's No Agenda Weekly, we talk about the final four times person of the year, Iron Crotch Kung Fu, and I reveal my all-time favorite beer in this week's Beer of the Week. So stick around. All right, so we are back. This is uh, another week of No Agenda Weekly. It is Thursday, December 10th. I know, I know, I know. It's a Thursday, and it's supposed to be a Tuesday. But I have thought about the podcast and had made some kind of reflections about it and came to a conclusion about the scheduling of this. And that conclusion is right in the title of it. It is No Agenda Weekly. So it does not say No Agenda Tuesday. I know I kind of shot for Tuesday to be a day that this podcast would come out. And I, I thought to myself, you know, it'd be, it'd be kind of handy just to have a day everybody kind of expected it to come out. And they'd listen, they'd think about it. And they would anticipate it. And then those days just kind of not, didn't stop that, you know, did not happen. Kind of got tongue tied there for a second. So I was like kind of thinking about it. Like I would kind of like get all freaked out about trying to get it out on a Tuesday. And then I couldn't get it on a Tuesday and I felt horrible about it. And the next day I'm like trying to figure out how I can get it out as fast as possible. And it just, really kind of unneeded stress in my world that uh, about this podcast. And I'm like, I'm, this is kind of ridiculous. So I'm just going to leave it simple. It's No Agenda Weekly. I'll have a weekly podcast. There it is. It's a weekly podcast. That's why it's kind of important that you subscribe to it, like Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or Google Play or um, I think that's the podcast, right? Google Play, man, yeah, yeah, whatever. And so when the new podcast comes out, it you get that and you just kind of wait for it to come out. Um, I do listen to some podcasts that come out very sporadically, very sporadically. Like one that I listened to, I think the last one I listened to was like four weeks ago or three weeks ago. And I'm thinking, I'm like, did that guy get Corona and die? Because I mean, he has not put out any content for a while. And sure enough, the other day, bling, he had a new episode come out. So uh, it works for him. So it might work for me. I just think that is the, that's the best way to move forward with this because I feel like I kind of let people down when I don't get it on a Tuesday. And I, I don't know why. You know, it just kind of is what it is. Um yeah, so it's No Agenda Weekly, not No Agenda Tuesdays. Tuesdays sucked anyways. Tuesday's a horrible day. I, you know, I am going to try for like a Tuesday. You know, I think Tuesday is still kind of my my goal. Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe a Thursday. You know, in, in there, I, I'm guaranteed pretty much to be able to fit it in those kind of like each week, but when each week kind of varies. My schedule has been really kind of stupid and crazy lately. When this just happened like 10 weeks ago or eight weeks ago or whatever it was, I'm like, yeah, I can easily do this. 
Eh, no, 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 no. Um, you don't really necessarily realize how crazy your schedule is until it's kind of too late. And um, even with scheduled days off, we've had, you know, in my employment, I've had some trainings and days I've had to go in on my day off. And today's my day off, but I got to go in again for another meeting. So it's just kind of just kind of tends to be uh, kind of hectic. So back to basics, you will get No Agenda Weekly as a weekly podcast. There it is. Uh, and, you know, I may kind of judge my listenership to see how well this is working. Because really, my listenership has been going up, um, to be honest with you. It's been, it's been going up. So... I don't really see a reason that this is this would not work. I mean, as long as you're subscribed to it, like again, subscribe if you're not subscribed already. Um, yeah. So enough about that. You'll get your weekly podcast. I'm putting out the content. You listen to it. If it doesn't work for you, you can let me know at noagendaweekly.com um, or Facebook or also on the anchor.fm, you can uh, leave me some messages and say, yeah, your podcast sucks and I want it every Tuesday and that's a bad idea. Eh, that's good. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'll take some criticism too. Um, so yeah, that's that. Wanted to talk kind of transition to times person of the year. Uh, comes out every year. Hence, person of the year comes out actually today, uh, this evening, figured out what the final four people were. Um, I have kind of some mixed feelings on the, the final four. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to talk through it a little bit. One of them is Donald Trump. Okay, he is obviously going to be a Final Four times person of the year. Why he's Final Four times person of the year this year, I, I really don't know. And, and here's my reasoning for that. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm really confused by that. So he was times person of the year 2016. I know it's just been a crazy year with this guy. and you know, politically and election wise. And, um, I, but I, I think that a lot of people out there in this world have done a lot better in their lives and contributing, um, a little bit more to society that need to be recognized. That's, I mean, really at the end of the day, that's, there, there are people in this world um, that should be on that cover that magazine this year more than Donald Trump. That's really all I can say about that. Okay. The next one, um, is Joe Biden, who the media says is, uh, president elect. It's disputed. I mean, the chances I think of Donald Trump overturning this election, is zero. Um, 
Remember my last podcast, I pretty much said that it is more of a chance for this robot in Japan to be taken over by aliens and kill everybody than it is for Donald Trump to overturn this election. I still think that's true. And, um, but I don't think he's really technically president-elect yet because of the voting, official voting from the states. I mean, he is president-elect Joe Biden, but officially he's kind of technically not. Um, just me geeking out on, uh, you know, procedures there. So, uh, but anyways, he is Times Person of the Year. Um, this one actually baffled me a lot more than Donald Trump. I, 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 I kind of, <laughs> I'm not a Donald Trump fan by any means, but I, I think really the only thing Joe Biden accomplished this year was not dying during his campaign. I'll be completely honest with you. He's a living, breathing alternative to what the public had. And I, him beating out Donald Trump, um, I don't think is Time Magazine's person of the year worthy. I, I, re I really don't. I mean, I, you know, I honestly think whoever was in that position, as long as they are a breathing human being, probably would have been in the same situation as he was. I that's that's my my honest conclusion. So Joe Biden, hey, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, man. I don't think you should be Times Person of the Year. Maybe some other day. All right, moving on. Um you know, the movement for racial justice, which is highlighting Black Lives Matter activists and protests over the death of George Floyd. Um, living so close to Minneapolis as I do, and that's that's my closest metro area. Uh, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this one. OK, um, so the George Floyd incident, I'm not going to like unpack that you know, crazy shit and like rehash it over. But um, the movement for racial justice. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I get that aspect of it. Perfect. But highlighting the black lives matter activists and protests over the death of George Floyd. If you have not been to Minneapolis um, lately, I, I would not go. It's pretty bad. And so Citizens there are um, really having a bad time with everything. It is in pieces, that city. So I I, I think, I don't know. I, I really kind of struggle with this one. Um, and not to get crazy political and, and, you know, talk about the Black Lives Matter activists. I, uh, my feelings and my position on the protests um, over George Floyd, I, I think it's very controversial for a lot of people on whether or not those are actually protests or riots or whatever. I just don't necessarily think that I would choose them as a Times Person of the Year um, right now. However, the only one that I can add to 
um, this list that is the final four nominee are frontline healthcare workers. Um, and it says, and Dr. Anthony Fauci. I, I really do think Dr. Anthony Fauci should, should be left out. Uh, he's, and here's my reasoning for that. I know people are going to hate me after this podcast, but uh, I, I, he's an expert in the field. I get it. And he gave a lot of advice and he was on the TV all the time. And he's kind of a new celebrity, but he wasn't there wearing that garb that these healthcare workers wore 12 hours a day, every single day for the past eight months, dealing with the people that are coming in that are sick. And I think Times Person of the Year should be, you know, the frontline healthcare worker. I, just frontline healthcare workers, no Dr. Anthony Fauci. I know they're trying to squeeze him in there, probably to piss off Trump. I, I would, that would be my guess on why they're trying. And uh, I just think it should be the frontline healthcare workers. I think it should be the people that are every single day taking care of people that are sick. I mean, I think that that contribution to everybody that these frontline healthcare workers are making is definitely a notable person or people to make Times Person of the Year. So that is my recommendation. And it's probably not going to be that, but... Uh, that's my recommendation. Um, I do think that there should have been some other people on there that made the short list. Um, I could definitely see, uh, you know, the movement for racial justice making that short list. Uh, you know, I see that. I see them in the, in the finals. I do not see Joe Biden and Donald Trump because they're president, because people paid millions of dollars to get them where they go. I mean, they're literally just kind of like chess pieces getting moved around. I, that's always bugged me about times person of the year. Um, I think the mayhem guy, you know, the insurance mayhem guy should possibly should have been 2020 times person of the year. Um, and I think it would have been kind of interesting if, Times Magazine or uh, publications, you know, instead of focusing on the people that are super like crazy rich or, you know, influenced or um, always in the spotlight, you know, take the Janer John Doe down the street that has a bunch of kids. The restaurant's been closed down because politicians are closing everything down for this COVID pandemic that work in restaurants and, you know, they're trying to make ends meet during this whole thing. Um, and out of all odds are still making things meet. And I, I, I think, you know, having like somebody like Donald Trump, Trump or Joe Biden, who are just very wealthy and just things are given to them on an every single daily basis, Maybe kind of focus on people that struggle through life and do it gracefully and are unnoticed. That's all I got to say about that. I just think, I just think if you look over the past years of 
um, times person of the year. Um, there was probably only a kind of a few people that I would probably say, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, I, I get it, you know. Um, but like, for instance, I was looking through the times people of the year and then uh, 2003 was the soldier. Obviously that, you know, that's kind of the Iraq war. Like I get that. That's awesome. Uh, 2001 was Rudy Giuliani. Why was Rudy Giuliani the person of the year in 2001? Because he was the mayor of New York. Okay. All right. You were the mayor of New York when 9-11 happened. And I'm sure you had a lot to deal with and he had a lot to deal with. But the amount of people that died uh, in New York in 2001, um, i.e. firemen and police officers uh, and just civilian casualties... Yeah, maybe maybe they would have been uh, good candidates for that, too. So I'm just kind of just making my point as far as um, why times people kind of choose the people they do. Maybe maybe they should kind of like choose the, the people that are uh, not very uh, publicized or do not have, you know millions of dollars and very influenceable. Um, yeah. So that's kind of my rant on times person of the year. Um, again, kind of speaking back to, uh, the protesters. Yeah. You want, I, I, I really do think if they would have phrased that better, I think I could get behind that. Um, you know, cause there was a lot of people out there protesting police brutality and all this other stuff. But there was a lot of other people out there that were just destroying communities. And I just can't get behind that. So um, my vote, knock off Anthony Fauci, Anthony Fauci, and yeah, make the healthcare worker Times person of the year. So that is my recommendation. So Times, if you're listening, make that happen. And I highly doubt you know, the editor of Times Magazine is listening to this podcast, to be quite frankly with you. Um, but if you do know who he is or she, because uh, I really don't know if it's a he or she. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tell them to listen to this so they get my insight because um, I'm pretty much what they call a podcast influencer now. So, yeah, well, make that happen. Um, so yeah, and if you hear some weird noise in this podcast, it's my dog doing some like weird things. He's sleeping by my feet because that's what he does when everywhere I go, he just lays by my feet. I step on this dog constantly, constantly. I'll be in the kitchen cooking dinner. He comes and lays by my feet. I back up and I step on him all the time. But anyways, he does this weird, like chirping sound and shaking like i mean he's dreaming but uh hey hey i don't know if you can hear that or not but he likes to dream when he sleeps um speaking of dreaming that kind of might be a good segue into um what i think i'm going to talk about next 
Now this is going to sound really weird, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say a word that people are just kind of like I don't know if they're necessarily weirded out about, uh, but they tend to kind of be like think you're weird when you when you tell people you do this. Um, so I did something for the first time this morning, um, and remember when I told you that. 2020's person of the year should have been mayhem. I tell you what, I have had some mayhem things just going on around me in my life. So, for example, um, I know you're you're probably wondering what I what you know I did this morning for the first time, and I'll get back to that. But I'm kind of this is the precursor to this. Um, and I. Like the other morning, um, I lost something like on a piece of my uniform that I couldn't find. Um, that same morning, <laughs> like I got this hat rack in, in uh, our room that like I knocked off the wall. I spilt a whole cup of coffee in my office on the floor. Um, I got to work and forgot something very important. Um at home that I needed to take to work with me. It was just, um, just a shit show morning. And then last night I come walking into our bedroom and I turn on the light and I knock a picture, which knocks off another like nights or not a nightstand. It's like a little mounted table on the wall off that had all my wife's jewelry and necklaces hanging from it. And unfortunately it had these wine glasses that, we had engraved when we got married that all broke and it just sucked. And so anyways, you know, where, where I was getting with that is like life has just been like so hectic and my mind's just been everywhere. And, you know, not saying that that caused all that, but just like processing that um, has just been very difficult. So, um yeah. So anyways, getting back to what I did this morning, um, I meditated this morning. And I know I guarantee everybody's like, nope, click, 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 turning that off. And so hear me out here. So um, my family I lived with out in California, they're big meditators. And I'm sure they're probably listening to this podcast at some point. Uh, and so I've known about it for a while and they were out here this last summer and we kind of talked about it one day and they're, you know, and talking about the whole process and um, they got this in their uh, um, room. They got like this whole meditation shrine thing all set up and, and, uh, and so uh, to be able to do that, you have to really know somebody to kind of guide you through that process of meditation and what, and really what meditation is, is everybody's mind. It's just, it's just mindfulness, right? Uh, we spend so much of our time thinking about the future or thinking about the past and it just creates mental trauma in our, our brain and how we deal with it. And all meditation does is, uh, teaches you to, to connect with the moment and concentrate on the second. And so uh, I think there's a lot more to that, but that's the best way I can describe it. And 
Um, yeah, I did a horrible job at it this morning. Like I thought about everything outside of, uh, of the world, you know, besides what was going on in my head. And I, I, I always have to like bring myself back to, uh, what I was being told to do. And so, and how I'm doing this is, you know, I, I live in Iowa. I, there's, you know, there's people called gurus out there that that's, they're like, um, people that you teach you how to meditate. Like there's not a Buddhist monk monastery down the street. So I ended up uh, actually through another podcast I listened to, this guy by the name of Sam Harris. Um, he has a pod. I'm going to fucking bring the podcast up. Making Sense Podcast with Sam Harris. Um, it's a, it's actually a really great podcast. He It's like... Um, some of his titles are like knowing the mind or, um, the price of distraction. Um, whatever. There's just a whole bunch of other ones that out there. And it's, it's kind of dry. I'll be, I'll be quite honest with you. If you like very riveting podcasts or very, um, um, Uh, exciting ones. eh, Maybe this is not the best one to listen to, but if you kind of like that monotone guy that, you know, talks about life in general and, and things about the world in a very kind of extremely neutral way, uh, he's a great guy to listen to. So anyways, he does make this app that I downloaded and he, I mean, it's his voice and he talks you through it. And this guy, um, spent two years uh, in a silent monastery. I mean, so he's definitely kind of um, been around and has figured some of this stuff out. And so, yeah, I did that this morning. It was all right. Dogs kept trying to climb on me because I was sitting in a chair and um, <laughs> so I do got to, I do got to tweak some things out on that, but it was actually kind of, it was kind of all right. It was actually a really uh, awesome way to get started in the morning. I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't, you know, don't necessarily, oh, I will never be enlightened by any means, but I think it's, uh, it is, you know, very important to, you know, a lot of people go to the gym every day, but, you know, I think, I think taking care of your mind is not a bad thing either. So yeah, we'll see where that goes. I know that sounds like super, um, super for the lack of a better words, granola of me to say that, that I meditated, but yeah, it was all right. I'm going to give it a try. Um, I may talk about it here periodically on this podcast. So the first session was like only like five minutes because I mean, that's all I, you know, all I can do. And I think it's kind of designed that way is that you kind of start out and, um, concentrating on your breath and, you know, and concentrating on other things and, um, when your mind starts to wander, you know, realizing that, bringing it and focusing to what's going on at the moment instead of, you know, thinking of the future or the past. So, yeah. So I did that this morning. Um, we'll see how we'll, we'll see where that takes me. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, it's it was definitely kind of a, a weird experience, but um, and I don't mean like weird as far as like. Um, like uncomfortable, weird experience. It was, 
I was just like, oh, I never thought I'd sit down and try to meditate before, but yeah, it worked out. 5.30 in the morning this morning. Uh, that's what I was doing. All right. Um, so yeah, so we talked about the Times Person of the Year. Yep, see, there's the dog again. Did you hear him? All right, and that uh, I meditated. So that's really kind of all I had to say about what's happened this past week in my personal view and opinion. Uh, it's been kind of a blur week. Um, but I do still want to get into some some news that your local media will not tell you and um, do not have the time nor the care to inform you about. But I will because I do think it's important. Um, a story out of Indiana was pretty awesome. Uh, it's Indiana restaurants missing mascot returned after a drunken mistake. Anytime I see drunken mistake, I'm completely all in. I'm like, all right, let's read about the drunken mistake. And as somebody that, um, their job pretty much when I was just a regular police officer revolved around, people's drunken mistakes. I can't get enough of the story. So, all right. So, um, kind of the gist of this one is that there was a mascot in this restaurant that somebody stole and returned. Okay. Um, and the mascot itself is, it's kind of odd. So, um, just kind of read you a little little article here, glimpse of what it is, and you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. All right. It says someone returned a stuffed hare on Tuesday that has been stolen from an Indiana restaurant last week. Surveillance video showed an unidentified customer at the 1933 lounge in Fisker's picking up the taxidermy hare called Theodore a hare. Here's why it's Theodora Hare. I'd, I'd be really interested in the backstory why they called it Theodora Hare. Um, and maybe I'm just completely missing something over my head and everybody's like, this moron doesn't even get it. But anyways, uh, according to the report, the animal dressed in a fancy hat and carrying an old shotgun serves as the restaurant's mascot. All right. So let's break this down. Okay. You're in Indiana. Your mascot is a stuffed rabbit wearing a fancy hat, holding a shotgun. You sell alcohol and you're pissed it disappeared. Come on. How is it the person's fault that stole the rabbit? It should be the restaurant's fault. I mean, you don't have those kick-ass mascots like that hanging around in accessibility of the customer and serve alcohol. It's bound to disappear, okay? Um, I, I really don't think that, you know, I'm just glad the person returned it, but you can't be surprised somebody would steal something that cool. The restaurant posted about the stolen hair on social media and offered a $500 gift card for its return. Bryn Jones, vice president of marketing and retail for the restaurant's owner, Hughes Culinary, told the Indianapolis Star that replacing the hair would have cost about $1,000. Huh. It's kind of steep, but 
Maybe it was a nice gun. I don't know. No questions asked and no hard feelings, the restaurant tweeted. Only our hope is that he is returned unharmed. The hair turned back up at the restaurant on Tuesday night when someone dropped him off in a trash bag with a note apologizing. Sorry, this was a drunken mistake. The note read, and he was well taken care of. Well, you know what? Kudos to you people for bringing it back. Because I, now that I'm looking at a picture of this thing, and by the way, it's a green hat. It's kind of like a, uh, like a green English hat with a green bow tie and a double barrel shotgun. It's the coolest stuff mascot I've ever seen in my life. And I do have to admit, um, that would have been hard for me to bring back if I was not in law enforcement and I was the guy that was, uh, that took that just, I'm just being completely honest with you. Strangely, it isn't the first time someone has nabbed this taxidermied animal. Well, no shit. It's a hair holding a shotgun and you serve alcohol. It's going to disappear from time to time. Um, someone stole a fox named Winston from Elmo Street Steakhouse in Indianapolis in 2018, according to the reports. Winston was returned to the restaurant a few days later via an Uber after how much attention that got. We figured it would never happen again, Joe Jones told the star, but here we are. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I got some couple things for the 1933 lounge in Fiskers. Um, you're either going to have a stuffed hair with a fancy hat and holding a shotgun and serve alcohol or lose the hair. Or if you're going to have the hair with the fancy hat and a shotgun, put it up somewhere that you can't like steal it because drunk people will always try to steal that. Hands down, 100%. Um, always. I mean, people steal stuff out of the lobby of my police department, like, and they get away with it. So they're going to try to get away with stealing a hair, holding a shotgun with a fancy hat. Just saying, I, I think that was no, I, I'm not surprised at all that this thing got stolen. I am glad, however, it got returned, but I willing to make a bet probably within a few months, it's going to get stolen again. Um, moving on to the next article I want to talk about. And um, these guys, I really kind of kudos to them for trying to preserve a lost art. And um, the title is Chinese Iron Crotch Kung Fu Masters Fight to Preserve a Painful Looking Tradition. That's pretty much, pretty much all that happens. I mean, the the title, the title speaks for itself. In uh, Juntan, China, Wang Lutai is no ordinary kung fu master. The 65-year-old from a village in central China practices a unique and excruciating look strand of martial arts coined Iron Crotch Kung Fu. The most famous techniques involves a steel plate capped log two meters long in length and weighing 40 kilograms, which is 88 pounds, that swings through the air and smashes into the man's genitalia. Um, I got questions. Uh, how, how, would this, how would you even get involved and say, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's try this. 
when you practice iron crotch kung fu, as long as you push yourself, you will feel great, said Wang, head of the Juntun Martial Arts Academy. Wang, who has been practicing the techniques for around half a century and has two children, insists that with the correct methods and sufficient practice, it does not hurt and has no effect on fertility. Um, as somebody that has never attempted iron crotch kung fu, I, I know it's hard for me to disagree with him. Uh, but I, I'm going to disagree with him. I, th I think I'm going to go out on a limb and call bullshit on that. Um, the iron crotch mastery of which is gained by taking hits to the body's weakest points while using quickong breathing techniques to ensure oneself is just one element of the branch of, all right, I'm going to butcher this, Tong Bequan Kung Fu that has been practiced in Wang's village for the past 300 years. The style encompasses scores of attack techniques as well as resisting pressure, pain, or hits to other sensitive areas. Um, kind of reading that, I, I kind of get the point of it because if he's taking that amount of pain, I'm probably not going to want to fight the guy. I'm, you know, you know, as a law enforcement officer coming up against a guy like that, he takes a lot of pain daily. And uh, if he is coming after me or resisting arrest, or, I, I think it'd be very difficult to handle somebody like that. I'm probably just saying that the pain tolerance is probably the goal of what they're doing. Um we also have iron throat, iron head, iron chest, and iron back as well, said fellow master 53-year-old Tang Zhaizhen. The style of kung fu practiced by those in the Juntun village on the outskirts of the ancient capital of Luang was historically and fiercely guarded secret, but concerns have grown that fewer and fewer people were taking it up and it might not survive. I think the reason you guys are keeping it a secret is because people would be reading like you are letting things crash into your crotch area as uh, a pastime and think you were kind of odd. And your concerns were correct because that is what's happening right now. I just that's there it is. And by you coming public with this, because more and more of the people that are doing this or that have done this for 300 years are dying off in your village and you're not getting new newcomers to this is probably a concern. And this article might not help. So I apologize for that. But um, I, hey, you guys wrote the article. I'm just getting it out there. There were once around 200 people regularly practicing in the village, said Tang, but now there are just over 20. The number that can practice the iron crotch technique has dropped from around 80 in just five years. That's why Wang and his fellow masters started to actively promote their style of Kung Fu, adopting the swinging log device in 2016 to demonstrate the iron crotch technique where previously villagers had kicked, punched, or used bricks for kicks. So apparently it's getting so bad that back in the day, they used to have two people and they would face each other and one would let the other one kick them in the crotch area. Um, now they have decided that they are lacking so many people that they can't take two people to do the same job. 
So they built this log device that it kind of swings back and forth and they just stand in front of the log and let it hit them. Uh, yeah. Nope, not for me. Um, their efforts have helped them gain several new students in the cities across the country who learn using social media or custom-made videos posted online. If there are any more students, carry it forward and spread it to the whole country and the world. If they can carry this from Kung Fu forward, this form of Kung Fu forward, they may dream, then my dream will come true, said Wang. Um, yeah, so if you are interested in um, Iron Crotch Kung Fu, Google it, you know, maybe start a local chapter. Uh, I, you know, there's a jujitsu place here in the town I, I live in that I, I, I actually really wanted to go, um, and, uh, check it out, but I just never have. And because of time and me filling up my time with stuff. Um, so, you know, maybe this town needs an iron crotch Kung Fu. Um, I don't know. Maybe your town needs an iron crotch Kung Fu. Uh, give it a go, you know? I mean, let people experience it. Maybe they like it. I think it's a train wreck of an idea. Um, I don't think you will have anybody subscribing to your uh, uh, Iron Crotch Kung Fu place. But, you know, if you're looking to start something up, this may be an opportunity. All righty. So I think Iron Crotch Kung Fu is the perfect segue to our beer of the week. Um. So I, I, this beer is my holy grail of beers. It is my number one, 10 out of 10 favorite beer I have ever drank in my life. Um, it's hard to find. I do not have any <laughs> uh, right now, which sucks. Uh, I do know of a place that's probably about an hour and a half, well, no, about an hour from here that does sell it or used to sell it. Um, and I just have to make a trip down there. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that, uh, before, uh, Christmas and finagle that. But the, this week's beer of the week is an Einger beer. Um, if you... Don't know about Einger. I mean, that it is literally German. It's it's German beer. It is as German beer as you can get. It's uh, it's made in Germany. It's it's a German beer. Um, and Einger has a lot of different types of beers. So Einger is the uh, the manufacturer name. Right, they're they're like the Budweiser or whatever, but it's Einger. And my favorite one is Alta Barish Dunkel. And a Dunkel beer is is a dark beer. The Alta Barish Dunkel is uh, just the most phenomenal, smooth, dark beer German style that yeah, I, I'm in my opinion you're ever gonna drink. Um, little read up. Right up on it, um, it says, up until the Second World War, dark beer was the predominant beer type in the Munich area. And we'll get back to this. I, I want to talk about 
up till the Second World War and why that changed. If you don't know much about beer history, uh, and but I'll get back to that. Uh, the hard water found in the region played a special role in producing uh, this specialty. Um, hold on here. Yep. I just had to make sure I was recording because for a second I didn't think I was recording. All right. Anyways, the hard water found in the region played a special role in producing this specialty. In his book, Beer International, the world-renowned English beer writer, Michael Jackson, not the same Michael Jackson that I think you're thinking about. I just, I've heard about this guy. It is not the same Michael Jackson that you're thinking. Um, so you, uh, I probably ruined this because you probably have, you know, hee hee in your head while you're uh, reading this, but, or why I'm reading this to you, but just, just don't. It's not the same Michael Jackson. But anyways, uh, he's an English beer writer named Michael Jackson. Uh, Ackley describes the Einger beer, Alterbarge Dunkel, as a good example of its kind. Uh, impenetrably dark with a golden brown gleam when held up to the light and with a warm aroma of a malty taste while summon summoning up coffee taste sensations on going down. It is brewed from five types of malt, two of which are torrified dark, which is a type of malt, apparently. Uh, and it is the only, and it is only lightly hopped. So it's not a very hoppy beer. It's a very dark, malty beer. So this is about as opposite of an IPA as you could probably find. It is produced using the traditional double fermentation process. Um, there's a list of, of, uh, like awards this beer has won over, you know, its existence. But if you are not, uh, an IPA fan or, uh, a hoppy fan or a lager fan, uh, and you like that true dark beer, uh, fineness, um, I, I looked, I, I can always find Einger beer everywhere I go. I can always find it. Um, but I can never find the Alta Bars Dunkel and I, I have no idea why, uh, I just can't. So if you're ever in your local market or grocery store or something and you head to the beer section and Einger is A-Y-I-N-G-R. So look for Einger and... Um, they do have a lot of other good beers, uh, that Celebrator has that, um, uh, horse on it. That's an Einger beer. Um, and th like I said, they, they got multiple different ones, but, uh, yeah, that is this year's beer of the week. The Einger, Einger, Alterbarst Dunkel, my Holy Grail, my all time favorite. I've never had a beer more delicious than that one. Um. Back to, real quick, up until the Second World War, dark beer was the predominant beer type in the Munich area, okay? Uh, up until the Second World War, dark beer in general was, even in the United States, dark beer, even IPAs, like really hoppy beers that are kind of making a comeback, were the predominant beer in everywhere, um, and World War II, 
kind of changed that beer culture. And the reason for that is, especially in the United States and also in uh, uh, the German area, because that's where World War II is pretty much fought. Um, as, as far as the United States go, kind of, you know, paint a picture of you of, of it, why, you know, the dark beers and the IPAs transition to light beers is because there were no men drinking beer at that time. They were all in war. So all these beer companies and these beer producers had to start figuring out a way to sell beer and light beer. Women started drinking light beer. That was um, how they stayed in business and alive during wartime efforts. You know, even in Europe, the United States and all around, you know, in the that was involved in the war. Because men just simply weren't drinking beer like they were when it was peacetime. And so the women were drinking a lot of beer and uh, that's who their target sales were. Even after the fact, when the war were over and if you made it home, it was years. And um, yeah, it just light beer kind of became a staple everywhere. So that's kind of a little history. I probably butchered it. I'm sure I could have probably been a lot more in depth in it and a little bit clearer, but um, kind of off the cuff, just, you know, telling you a little bit of history. So when World War II started, women became primary beer drinkers and they like light beer. So that's where that came from. So anyways, but good news is it's making a comeback. Dark beers, very hoppy IPA beers. Deep lager beers are uh, coming around again. So, yeah, we may even uh, do a beer episode in the coming time because there's a lot of really cool history about beer. So I, I may may do a beer episode. Um, that is it. That's all I got for you this week. Uh, again, like always, don't be an asshole to people that don't understand the same things you understand or think about the same, same things you think about. So with that, I will leave you wanting a lot more, I guess, or a lot less, you know, your choice till next time. I will see you sometime next week. Not necessarily Tuesday. It's a surprise, but next week, take care.